Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. church leader welcome into another episode of rescuing churches the show where everything is completely made up and the points don't matter that's right the points are just like the last five minutes of the pastor's sermon or the last slide that the media guy throws on the screen nobody's going to remember it anyway because everybody's thinking about lunch (laughs) speaking of occasionally long sermons i'm joined by my co-host and 614 executive director stan who also doubles as my stuntman and my dad yeah, it's great to have you along for whatever the heck we're going to do on this crazy podcast ride today. No stunts, I hope. All right. So let's dive right into this topic of being attractive. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you're not going to be giving out the latest GQ men's hair advice. To me, is how <laughs> yeah. you have none yourself. Right. Exactly. So I will take a shot in the dark, though, Yep. having only read a few lines of your notes that at some point, thanks for, thanks for all the hard work you put into our podcast. Yeah, thanks for all the hard work you put into the <laughs> church websites and the social media and all that stuff. I will take a shot in the dark that at some point you're probably going to take your usual stab at skinny jeans or skinny people that wear jeans, maybe or something like that. Maybe I don't mind skinny people wearing jeans at all. I'm, I'm just happy with taking that. a shot in the dark. Yeah, happy with people wearing jeans. But either way, what's the real focus on church attractiveness? Well, there's. Every church has something about it that's attractive. That's really what I want to get to. And what that attraction is becomes the challenge for you as a pastor to figure out how to allow that to be a community ministry. Um, and what I fear is a lot of small churches, especially younger pastors in small churches, look at the large churches and they start looking at their attractiveness that's actually external attractions, um, and they begin to model that to make it their attractions. And so when you say external, we're not actually, by scriptural and biblical definitions, talking about the church, because the church is the people, right? We're talking about their stuff. Yeah, their stuff, and maybe even the people, but mostly their stuff. Their building, their sound system, their lights. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the whole stage setup and all that stuff. It, fog machines. Sure, the sure. Theater seating, yeah. all that stuff. It, it was called the attra- – it's been called the attraction model that's right. been c- current for a number of years now. Um, the larger churches, what we could now call the mega churches, tend to run off of that. They tend to build their whole ministry base trying to get people in the pews or actually stadium seating, <laughs> in their stadium seating, Um through the attraction model. And it's very common to see churches do that. They're, they're the famous ones that you see on the YouTube videos with, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 7,000, 20,000 people in the arena. They've built that 
a lot of that's built off the attraction model. Um, Craig Rochelle came out with that book a while back, the one I laid there in front of you a few minutes ago, called It. And I'm almost positive, I haven't looked at the date on it, but I'm almost positive the book It uh, came out at the same time the movie series It came out, which was the one about the crazy clowns. That's terrifying. Yeah. So I don't think he was talking about crazy clowns because I've read the book. I'll put a link to the book in the show notes, but not a link to the movie in the show notes. Thanks. Good deal. Good deal. And there'll be no red balloons tied to any gutters or anything that happened so yeah but idea but the book he wrote which is a good book to read explains that every church has something that is it that your church people your core church people really like about your church um what i don't want our young pastors to do and especially our small church pastors um, when you're building a ministry you got to be careful what the it becomes um the, the larger churches, which have the larger budgets and the larger stuff um, that they can get into, they actually can build their church around the attraction model of making their service look more trendy and cultural. They can afford, as you say, <laughs> the fog machines. The, they got a budget for it. The rotating laser light shows, the, the swivel head cool lights and all that stuff. They can afford all that stuff. Um, you know, our church can afford three lights that stationarily sit on the back wall and change colors if we press the right button. Right. Um, we afforded that over a period of five years. <laughs> so, because yep. we didn't want to put that money into that budget. We had more important things to do. Smaller churches need to re need to evaluate all that, but building it like that you know if you build it they will come so a lot of guys get in their minds a lot of these young pastors get in their minds well if i'm gonna if i'm gonna grow this church i gotta go get all that so now they're either gonna you know go into debt or figure out some way to get some money and they're gonna build this great stage with all this lighting and stuff but what you attract the people with this is really my main point what you attract the people with is what's going to keep them there so if you're attracting them with an external model of ministry, uh, if it's the how we do our stage, how we do our music, how we present our morning service to you is what you want to come see. Then you got to keep all that up. You got to keep all that up. And for a big church who has much bigger budgets and much deeper pockets, that's usually not hard, not too hard of a problem. They can afford to pay the singers mm-hmm. and or the band. They have, you know, 12 people that want to sing and they only need seven, six, you know, whatever. So they can rotate that around. But in a small church, you got one guy that's a good singer, maybe two or three, um, one or two girls that are good singers um, that can sing on stage. Well, when that one person gets moved out of town, when that one, and they're free, by the way, you can't afford to pay them. <laughs> so they're, they're all volunteers. volunteers. Yeah. So one good guitarist kind of thing. So when that person gets moved out of town with a job or gets married and leaves, changes churches for whatever reason, you're there's a hole that's there now. And if your church was coming for that setup that you had, now you're in trouble. So really, for the pastors, um, that, that attraction model, which the millennials really like the attractiveness of, they, they're they're drawn to some of them. That's true. They're drawn to this cultural trendy thing, right? But they're also looking for other things. And I'll I'll say, too, on your point about technology, the other deal there about keeping it up is that you have to 
if you're going to do that and build it on that model um, and, and keep up with all of that, you're, you're seriously keeping up with a lot of technological change because technology is always changing. Right. So if you're only going to base your attractiveness factor, as you call it, on that. Right. In, you know, three to four, maybe five years, everything you just built your quote unquote church around is not going to be in style anymore. It's not going to be cool anymore. Right. Well, and or and you just have to keep investing then. Every right? every time. Yeah. You just have to keep spending more money. Right. So what, I don't know, 20, 18 years ago, we finally bought our first projector video projector that we mounted from actually the first one we just sat on our, our altar rail and pointed it up at the at the wall yep. <laughs> so um Super gradually gradually saved up the money to get some you know screens that were mounted uh, electric screens that were mounted and came down and we put two that were ceiling mounted right and it's only in the last few years that we've actually what they they call it flying the tvs now we put some big tvs up there um, we probably could put bigger ones. We just couldn't afford them, so we put what we have. So, yep. but that, all that to say, as a little church, we're keeping up with what you're talking about barely. We're kind of staying right behind the curve of all that. Um, whatever's coming next, you know, when we can afford it, if we can afford it, we will. Um, but we don't have to do that to make our people enjoy church because our church is not built around all that technology and all that stuff. It's built around the core values of a, of a healthy New Testament church. And that's really what I wanted to make the point of today. You know, when I was at the large church in Birmingham, um, we used to call it SMI, but when I was there, um, our evening service began to wane pretty hard as far as attendance goes. This was back in the 90s, um, early 90s, mid-90s. And the evening service began to wane. So, you know, our pastoral staff and everybody got together and started having all these creative ideas. The creative idea was, and you were a little kid at church, so you may remember some of this, we need to get some big-name people in from all around the country, especially local talent. But, you know, if there's some great singer, if there's some guy that does some really interesting uh, whatever, we had we had a guy come do pottery for us one time and explain the, the potter's story from the Old Testament. Um you know, we've, we had some local singers that were really good, we, that we had some big name singers, uh, Buddy Green and others come in. So, Buddy who? But yeah, yeah, Buddy, Buddy Green. He's with the Gaithers. You don't care. So, <laughs> that, okay. that guy, fantastic that singer, by the way, uh, fantastic musician and great man. Anyway, we had all of that, but that was our son, that was how we were getting people to Sunday night. So, once we started that, you had to keep up with it. Yeah, and uh, the younger guys on the staff, we call it the dog and pony show. Yep. You know, who's now, the new? Who's now the you're new, in a little bit of a bind. Who's the new dog? Who's the new pony? You know, and how much does the pony cost? Yep. Because those guys come for you know at, back then five hundred dollars a trip or whatever. How long did that last? Well, not long enough. Because I mean, when you when you unplug all that and go back to try to have just regular old church service. Yep. Everybody goes, well, this ain't as fun as what we were doing before when we had the, you know. Where are the dogs and the ponies? Yeah, dogs, ponies, and, you know, the clowns going back to the it reference. So, <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? So it's it's the it's the what you attract them with is what you keep them with. And I'm just going to say, you know, we need to have not an investment. As a church, we need to invest hard, not on the external, but on the internal stuff, right? If If I'm throwing time money and equipment at my church to try to get it, make it attractive. Um, I'm trying to get people to, to 
buy more lighting machines and more fancy stuff, I, it's we're wasting resources in a small church that could be much better invested in. How about I spend that same time discipling some men who hunger and thirst for Scripture and have those men disciple some men that hunger and thirst for Scripture so the attraction now becomes men helping men grow in their faith and make their families better, their homes better, their jobs better, their their lives well, Let's better. get this down to a few, like just a couple of specific examples. So instead of spending X amount of money on X amount or X piece of technology, take that cash and go spend it on meeting so-and-so for coffee or at such and such a nice, take so-and-so out to a nice restaurant and have a discipleship meeting is what you're saying. Yeah. Or just leave that cash in the church account and have them over to your house for coffee. But yeah, yeah either way. Or invest in some good discipleship curriculums Correct. for Correct. small groups yeah. or something like yeah. that. Exactly. And and drive home the issue that pe- people today are looking for authentic relationship. And that was going to be my question for you on that was going to be, how do you create, because some of the pastors that are listening to this um, even some of the ones that have been here for some of our conferences, actually a shepherd summit and others have commented on the authenticity in our church. How do you create that environment? How do, how do you make it naturally thrive on its own? Okay. The, the authentic part of it is mm-hmm. we, we teach our people by our own examples that we're, we're real, that we don't, um, we, we don't pretend to be something we're not. So um, so when we when people come to our church and we open it up for testimony in our service, it happened again this morning. I know this is on some other podcast, but it happened again this morning when we did. We asked what they were thankful for because we're right up against Thanksgiving here. Um, this, this morning is Thanksgiving week for us. And I preached on Thanksgiving, and our songs were about that. So I asked people to say something they were thankful for, and it literally became uh, people just testifying that the, uh, two years ago they were in prison for doing for selling heroin, <laughs> and now they're in our church, happily married, you know, building a family and all that kind of stuff. Their life is completely different. Well, that openness to say what the bad of their past was feels very authentic in our church. It doesn't feel like they're. For they're never going to be shamed by saying that in our church. In some churches, that would maybe even bring a gasp. Sadly, would bring a gasp. Um, but for our church, it's it's healthy. It's people who say, "This is who I really was," and I recognize that only God could help me, and I want to testify to that. <clears throat> but we've created that culture. You're asking, we've created that culture through discipleship, through teaching people that grace is available, that there's no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus, that if you're striving to be closer to God, you have to recognize your past, you have to identify your past, you have to own your past, repent of it, and then you can talk about it like Paul did about his past. He was once a violent aggressor. He was once a blasphemer. But now he's a missionary. Now he's a follower of Christ, you know, who's passionately leading Timothy in discipleship. So it we just use the model from the New Testament that says it's okay to, it's necessary to identify your past and speak of it as something you've been healed from and protected from, which creates authenticity. Right. Your your generation and down, Josh, older millennial, barely almost not a millennial, but your generation and down, 
they're starved for something that's real because everything in the world is fake to them. Yeah, you know, which is which goes back to the megachurch problem. They live in these little <laughs> headsets they put on their face that that create a virtual world that's not real. Yeah, they get, that goes um, back to the megachurch. Yeah, they watch they watch everything on TV is fake. T- reality TV is exactly. completely fake. So it's like, how, how do you ever expect them to? To experience authentic, well, the church is a perfect place for them to go. For us to go, this is the real deal. This guy really was uh, far from God, and he found Christ. Christ found him, called him, and he now serves God. And he's part of our worship team. He's part of our staff. He's part of our teaching ministry because God is real. Jesus is real. Um, so I think. Solid Bible teaching is really important. Um, I think you have to have your church has to genuinely love the community. That's for years the church has said we're supposed to love our neighbors for years, right? So if if people show up at our church and there's zero evidence that we're loving our neighbors, like we never go do anything to love our neighbors, we're, we're not authentic, right? We're, we're not real. Exactly. I mean, we're we're talk we're talking points like any good politician. You know, we should cut taxes or we should you know have, have, do this for everybody. But then when we get in office, we never do it. Well, at our church, when we say we're going to help the homeless, you know, we've started you know several different ways now to feed homeless people um, because we believe we're supposed to, and we believe the Bible says we should help them somehow. Um, and we're constantly involving ourselves in community stuff that helps do that, not to get a pat on the back, but to be obedient to Scripture. That's what people find authentic. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then, of course, just pure old discipleship and evangelism. You know, the 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 core of any good, healthy church, your vision needs to be surrendered around those two things. Uh, we disciple people, which means we train them about how to follow Christ because we're following Christ. Now we're training them how to follow Christ. And then we speak, uh, then we help them come to Christ through through our evangelistic efforts. And that's how you love the community. It changes the community from a place of hopelessness to a place of joy, hope, and peace is possible. And your people have joy, hope, and peace. When they when they, when people visit our church, they see them joyful. I mean, I, I saw it on their faces today when they were testifying. You know, they were like very happy people. So I think that's a, a biblical model, and that should be the attraction. If you can afford a really cool light show while you're doing that, that's great. You know, if you need that, great. But I wouldn't build it around that. I would build it around the core New Testament model. In Acts, other words. Acts chapter 2, 1 yeah. Thessalonians chapter 1. Right. Build it around those values. Yeah, don't don't let it be the main focus. Don't let it. Correct. Don't. Feel like you have to wear yourself out chasing mm-hmm. all that stuff. Exactly, because because little churches, and I did this while I was here. Some you could save yourself some time and money. Yeah, well, that's the whole point. Yeah, but little churches love to watch the big churches and try to emulate the things we observe. But we typically are emulating the external attractants of the of that church. That's where you lose. Uh, yeah, and and let me just <laughs> let me just say, I'm not an anti big church person. Okay, I've been to some great big churches. And big churches that have that big attraction model that are developing small groups, healthy, healthy, healthy discipleship, small groups inside that model, you know, great stuff to do, man. That's awesome. The people that come to the big 
fun main big service that looks like you know a TV production of the of the Grammys, that's all fine. All right, if those people are now invited and really challenged to get into a healthy small group, now we've got something. Yeah, it works. Yeah, but you know. A little church can't do all that. Yeah, I, I can't make a Grammy service performance every Sunday. That's ridiculous. Please don't try. Yeah, <laughs> right. And part part of the part of the thing is that it, it especially for a small church, it won't just drain you of your uh, time and financial resources. After a while, it'll also drain you of your people resources because that that'll take a lot it's, of your people. It stresses take your pe- everybody. Your out. people into burnout. It stresses everybody out. And I, I think we went through a season of that where we were burnout is not fun. Yeah, where we were stressing people trying to be something we weren't supposed to be to begin with. And Absolutely. little churches need to find the it of yep. of the it though needs to be based in the core values of their faith. The it factor, not the clown. <laughs> right, right. But based in the core factors of their faith. That they need to look at, you know, what is attractive about us? Well we love our neighbors very well. We love our church family. We heard it this morning in our own church uh service testimonies that the people um at our church love this family of a church. We're a family. And there's that's an energy for us that says we all are going to work to get along. So it, it has a lot of health. God's love is born out in that discipleship and evangelism, helping people walk closer to God, and it is very attractive when you do it right. Jesus was Jesus kept running the big crowds off, but in the small crowds, he was a very attractive person. He was a person that people wanted to be near to hear the truth about themselves and the truth about God. And they wanted to experience the hope that he had. That's all the church is supposed to do. Bring out the truth, share it with people, and let them find their hope in Christ. Make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's really the rant of uh, what it means to be attractive. I'm not attractive at all. Um but we're supposed to let Christ in us be very attractive. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Sadly, no hairstyle tips, but maybe next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. Hope you found all the content and dialogue helpful and inspiring. As always, I'm Josh. That's Stan, talent partner Mike. We will catch you guys next time. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for listening.